Back to another episode of Simply a Professional. I'm your host, Webby. Joining me today, we got Rob. Hi, that was way too excited for you. I, what is happening? <laughs> it was it was less exciting, less less excitable, and more. I was trying to say it fast, and then I started to fumble over my own words, so I had to like <laughs> just throw it together as fast as I could to make it sound okay. Ah. Uh, and we got Donnie. Hey. And this week's topic was brought up. And suggested by Donnie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank Uh-oh. you, for, thank you for the. You suggestion. guys hate it. I don't care. No, thank you for the <laughs> suggestion, Donnie. And now you get to run the entire episode. I'm just kidding. We're not okay, doing guys, that. Nope. To, nope. Uh, nope. <laughs> I can't hear you. You're cutting out. Yeah. <laughs> Donnie would just be like, "Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, where can everybody find you on the internet?" <laughs> nope. I would literally just say, "Jack's worth well for all one word and just close out." Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so no, this week. So in lieu of uh, when's a movie come out? It comes out this thirtieth. Yeah, yeah, this 30th. month. Uh, in lieu of uh, the dun- the new Dungeons and Dragons movie that's going to be coming out, which I have heard several people who have seen it as far as like um, screenings and stuff like that. I've heard nothing but great things. Uh, so I it's 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 doing something that hasn't been done in a long time that I don't necessarily care to do and that's raising the bar of my expectations before I see it. Yeah, Jenny D said she liked it and I trust her judgment on most things. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, some random guy I saw said uh it's an adequate movie in a universe that desperately needed to be tapped into or something like that. Like they said the movie was good but not great but it good nonetheless. I will say I got really excited, and and I this will be a little hint at pretty much just you two, uh, or for just you two, because I don't think anybody else who, with the exception of sometimes Avalos, uh, and I keep biting my friggin' lip, um, I don't think anybody else in the D&D groups uh, really listened to the episodes. But, I may be wrong, but I am excited because... Uh, there is a story hook that I've been trying to work into um, the D&D campaigns that I run for you guys that is, from what I heard, used in the movie as well. So I'm excited. Because uh, nice. I like pulling from, like, I like pulling stuff from... D&D lore, but then giving it my own twist and my own like, some of my own lore behind it to make it more suitable to my world, you know, or me and Rob's world now, that uh, you know, he is now co-DM. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited. But anyway, so this week we're going to be talking about the uh, D&D Beyond has released 
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven character sheets for some of the main characters in the movie. Uh, and we're going to be discussing them, what they are essentially, what levels they're supposedly supposed to be in the movie, and some of their abilities and what differences they are in compared to, say, a normal character of, you know, that same level. Because these are all built like NPC stat blocks, not actual character sheets. Um, but the few, I think I've only seen two so far. Uh, I haven't gone through all of them, and of the two that I did kind of breeze through, they do give b essentially some buffs to kind of empower the characters a bit, and that's what we're going to be talking about. So a lot of these are going to be, a lot of these are all being taken straight off of D&D &D Beyond, not a sponsor. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we'll go through all of the different characters. Um, I might call on you guys to read some of these. Let's see. Uh, there's well, how many? One, two, three, four, five, six of them. One, two, three, four, five, six. There should be seven. What am I missing here? Oh, no. Yeah, what am I missing here? One, two, three, four, five. There's seven. It shows them all on the left. Yeah, but I'm oh, looking sorry. at the picture in the top where it shows all like the little character portraits, and it's missing one of them, and I don't know who. One of the villains. Is it a... Oh, yeah, 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 the necromancer person or whatever there. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to read... Yeah, because it gives like a little spoof at the beginning uh, about the people, um, like a little lore lesson, I guess. Uh, so I'll call on people, but I'll, I'll read the first one since it's a druid and I like playing druids. Um, so the first one is Doric. Uh, the tiefling Doric was taken by a wood elf enclave in Neverwinter Wood after being abandoned as a child. And she guards her adoptive community with nature's ferocity. The circle of the moon has taught her to heed her primal instincts, which rarely lead her astray. She can be what the hell? Brusque? Brusque, brusque I think. Um, uh, but she will fight tooth and nail for the cause, for a cause that she believes in. Doric has joined the Emerald Enclave, a network of survivalists who tend to balance between civilization and nature. When the Lord of Neverwinter targeted her woodland home for its resources, Doric rallied the resistance. So, moving to the character sheet. So, Doric is a tiefling moon druid. Um, the challenge rating for this is 5. So, essentially, the way challenge ratings work in D&D 5th edition is uh, the CR rating is essentially what your character level would be equivalent to. So, this should be around an equivalent level 5 player. Um, let's see, strength score of 12 with a plus one modifier, dex 16 with a plus three modifier, con 14 with a plus two modifier, intelligence 16 with a plus three modifier, and wisdom 19 with a plus four, charisma 10 with a plus zero. Good rolls. Uh, makes me wonder if they did if they just arbitrarily did these or if I don't, I can't tell if these are point by seems high. 
Yeah. Too high for a point by. Yeah. Uh, also, they have 104 hit points uh, and an armor class wearing leather armor of 14, um, which isn't going to mean much because they'll be shifting as Moon Druid into beasts most of the time. Uh, as a tiefling, oh, uh, saving throws, they get a plus six to intelligence and a plus seven to their wisdom saves. Skills, they have a plus seven to insight, plus six to nature, plus seven to perception, and a plus seven to survival. Um, pretty solid. Uh, as a tiefling, they get damage resistances to fire. They have dark vision out to 60 feet with a passive perception of 17. They know common, druidic, elvish, infernal, and sylvan. Uh, they get a multi-attack where they can make two shaped claw or sling attacks. And she can replace one attack with the use of a spell casting. Uh, their shaped claw is a melee attack with a reach of five feet, plus seven to hit. And it does 1d8 plus four slashing damage. The sling, plus six to attack with a range of 30 to 120 feet. Uh, and it does 2d4 plus three bludgeoning damage. Is that what a sling really does? I thought a sling did 1d4. 1d4, I think. Yeah. Maybe it's magic. Yeah. Uh, and then spellcasting. Doric cast. So this is where it's going to differ from like a player character. Obviously a player character druid. Because this, as a NPC, they get spellcasting. Doric casts one of the following spells using Wisdom as their spellcasting ability. Uh, spell save of DC 15. Now, instead of a normal Druid player who gets the access to the entirety of their spell catalog every day and gets to choose which spells they want to take, and then they have normal spell slots, uh, these particular characters can cast at-will spells. They have Animal Messenger, Beast sense and speak with animals at will. And then two times a day each, they can cast Cure Wounds, Entangle, Fairy Fire, and Thunder Wave. Uh, as a bonus action, this is where I found where I immediately saw one of the biggest differences uh, change shape. So essentially, their wild shape spell or wild shape ability, I should say. Now, normally, druids have the ability to wild shape two times a day uh, or two times per short or long rest, I should say. So technically, a player character could do it this many times. They just have to be able to get the rests. Um, also, uh, a player character can usually change into a beast of a challenge rating equal to half their druid level, rounded down. Doric it's magic. Third, I'm pretty sure. What's that? I'm pretty sure it's a third, isn't it? I don't think so. I think it's because I don't have them on Vex yet. I don't have third on Vex yet. We're level six. I think I get it. I think you get it at nine. Oh, maybe then. And that's Moon Druids. Regular Druids don't even get CR ones. Yeah, that's true. Uh. So That's Doric, really strong. Doric can moon sh or can it can change shape five times a day, flat, and she can magically transform into a beast with a challenge rating of three or less, or into an owl bear. Uh, which I'll get into that tangent here in a minute. Uh, 
The rest is pretty much the same, but Dorit can remain in that form up to two hours. She can choose whether the equipment falls to the ground or melds into and with her new form, or is worn by the new form. Because, honestly, like, the more I've been reading and stuff, like, things like, if you have a magical cloak and you turn into a bear, a bear technically can wear a cloak. Nothing is stopping a bear from wearing a cloak. It's, it's just how it is. So as long as you can feasibly present it to your DM and argue that the animal that you're turning into could potentially wear that item, then sure. You know, uh, I'm, I'm very lenient with that kind of thing. Uh, the only thing I might be like is if you're like, oh, well, can I turn into a giant snake and wear these boots? It's like, you don't even have feet. So. Yeah, I wear one on my head and one on my tail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a double-ended boot. <laughs> <laughs> just a swinging boot flying across the Yeah. Uh, Doric reverts to her true form if she is incapacitated or dies. She can revert to her true form using a bonus action. While Doric is transformed, her stat block is replaced by the stat block of that form, except she keeps her current hit points, her hit point maximum... Uh, Wait. Except that she keeps her current hit points her hit point maximum this bonus action her alignment and her intelligence wisdom and charisma scores oh that's significantly worse i don't know because the she hit keeps her health yeah but she gets to keep her hit point maximum too so webby i put a snake wearing a boot in the gift thing oh, that's a snake in a boot <laughs> that's different <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, think about it. Like a CR, say, you know, a CR two creature, right? So, like a Moorbounder or 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 like a polar bear or something usually has something like sixty five some odd health. Uh, Doric has one hundred and four max health. Now, I granted, if you and, and I mean, as a moon druid, you're going to be wild shaping the second combat starts. Normally, you're going to try to put off a spell or something and then wild shape as your bonus action. So you're probably going to be at full hit points anyway. Now, granted, I don't know how this, like, there is a flip side to this. So you are getting more hit points in your wild shape form, which will allow you to wild shape longer. But yes, I don't like the fact that you can't get knocked out of wild shape form now and then just wild shape form into something else. So you no longer are becoming that bag of hit points. You're just a little bit more sustainable threat on the board, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I guess overall I do consider it a down, a, 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 a debuff, I guess, to the druid doing it that way. Well, I mean... One of the things is that it's not set up like a character. It's yeah, set yeah, up yeah. like an NPC sheet. Or yeah. Almost like an enemy sheet. Which is why she has like the weird... Like technically as a, as a druid, she should have access to all of the druid spells. Where right. she only has three. Yeah. Or four. And I mean, that's the whole point that we're going over. Is like kind of telling the difference between what the NPC stat block and what like a player would normally have kind of thing too. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I, I guess I kind of agree with you, Donnie, as far as like the hit point maximum and the hit point current hit points being carried over into the 
the form that she takes mm-hmm. because it does kind of buff the form, but it overall debuffs the character. So, uh, and then I mean, last... yeah, she's still pretty strong for the CR level, though. Oh, yeah, I, I think so. Um, and then lastly, as a reaction, because of she, because of the fact she's a tiefling, she gets fiery rebuke three times a day. So when Doric is damaged by a creature that she can see within 60 feet of herself, she magically engulfs the creature with flames. The creature must make a DC 15 dex saving throw or take 3d10 fire damage on a failed save, half as much on a successful one. Uh, that is that is candy. Uh, even Donnie was like, you know, we should see more tiefling moon druids. Because uh, that, you know, that would carry over. If you're a bear, you're, you get hit, fiery rebuke. You know, or hellish rebuke in D and D, I guess they call it. But either way, it's a little bit ever extra damage. You know, and and that's the thing is all damage is good. You know, mm-hmm. no matter where you can squeeze it out of. Uh, thoughts or any a, a, any more additional thoughts on Doric? I think she's going to be probably one of my favorite characters in in the movie. Probably. Uh, I also I bet think she's a big dork. <laughs> Just like you, Rob. You, you can you can sh- <laughs> you can show yourself out. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Uh, I like the fact that she also has the ability to turn into an owl bear. That is something that get back on your desk. Oh, you letting the dog out? I'm letting the dog and myself out. All right. Too. See you later, bees. Um. So Donnie, since Rob's not here to chime in on his co- on this conversation anymore. Um, druids were never able to turn into owl bears before because owl bears are technically considered monstrosities in the monster manual, and druids can only turn into beasts. But I never thought that that made sense because, yes, I get the fact that owl bears were created by wizards and they are technically monstrosities, but they are such a staple and an iconic creature in D and D, and they're and and you know. That's just one theory of their origin. Yeah, I mean, that's true. There are elves that believe that they originated in the Feywild a long time ago. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I know that in games that I run, and I know Rob allowed me to take the stat block on my druid, uh, I I have no problem with druids, moon druids turning into owlbears. I I truly believe that owlbears need more love. Um. They're also very underutilized because, like, in second edition, when I had to play uh, and we went up against some owl bears, they're vicious. And the thing is, is if you don't kill them, they will track you down. They are good trackers and they will keep attacking you. Like, they're not they're not the type of creature that just kind of turns away. You know, unless they lose your scent somehow. But, yeah, they're very, very territorial. So, that was that was one of the big things in, like, in D&D 2nd Edition was, he, you know, we would run into a group, like, a couple owlbears, and then we'd either flee or we'd knock them unconscious, but we wouldn't want to kill them, so then we'd leave. And then we'd take, we'd hunker down for camp for the night and then we'd be attacked by the fucking owlbears that we downed earlier. You know. So. Good times. 
Anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts on, on Doric here? Uh, no, I mean, I think they did a good job of representing a movie character. I mean, I'd like, I can't wait to see now, the have, movie itself. Have but... you seen the trailer where it shows her, like, kneeling down or, like, squatting down and then going through? Is that a portable hole? I haven't really broken down the trailer too too much. Okay. Well, maybe I'll have to show you that scene or whatever. But moving on, uh, I see Rob meandering back to his desk, and I'm going to have him read the next one. <clears throat> so we'll just insert some Jeopardy music here, which I won't do. So you guys can all imagine it in your in your heads. Ugh. Get rid of that snake thing. Can I delete this? Yes, I can. Ugh. All right. Yes, yes. All right. Hello. Oh, that's so rude. Yeah. What? What happened? All right, Rob. So we're all done with Doric. We're gonna. I'm gonna have you go ahead and read Edgen Darvis. Captain Kirk. Okay. <clears throat> Edgen Darvis has a talent for improvisation and strategy. Uh, he's a magician and a tale teller who relies on charisma first he's rather than what? magic. Musician. That's yeah. what I said. Uh, it sounded like you said magician. It did sound that way, but uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. He's, he's a musician. Music. Okay. Well, I mean, we can listen back later, but I, I could have sworn I said musician, but maybe I said magician. I don't know. He's a musician and tale teller who relies on charisma first rather than magic or muscle to escape trouble. Once a member of the Harpers, a spy organization dedicated to protecting Faerun's common folk, Edgen has forsworn his oath and turned to thievery to support his family. Edgen's strong moral compass compels him to steal only from people he believes deserves to lose both coin and face. Uh, Edgen's confidence and rakish demeanor makes him a natural leader. With carefully chosen words, he inspires the members of his thieves' crew to greatness. But when his past makes mistakes, sorry, when his past mistakes come calling, Edgen must face the music. He now seeks to make amends to those he's wronged and confront those who have wronged him. <clears throat> So he's apparently a bard. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't say what type of bard, though, huh? Mm-mm. Hmm. All right. Uh, if you want to go ahead and go over his stat block. Sure. Uh, medium humanoid bard, cha- chaotic good. Armor class 14, leather armor, uh, which is actually... I guess if he's... Re- yeah, okay, that's correct. I was like, he has a plus three dex, so he's just wearing regular leather armor with no accoutrements. Uh, hit points, 110. Speed, 30 feet. Strength is 14 with a plus two. Dex is 16 with a plus three. Con is 14 with a plus two. Intelligence, 14 with a plus two. Wisdom, 16 with a plus three. And Charisma, 18 with a plus four. So Damn, he really he's has got no good... dump stats. No, yeah. he's got good stats all around. <laughs> Yeah. 
Uh, Although I will say yeah. his highest is only an 18. Well, I mean, Doric's highest was a 19, but that doesn't increase the modifier, so. Yeah. Uh, he has a plus 6 to his deck saving throw and a plus 7 to his charisma saving throw. He has a plus 7 to deception, plus 10 to performance, plus 10 to persuasion, and plus 6 to sleight of hand. I don't understand why his deception and sleight of hand should have the same modifier, but okay. Uh, <clears throat> oh, no. Uh, deception. Well, oh no, deception is off of charisma too. Never mind, ignore me. He must not have per, per, like proficiency in the deception. Uh, he has a passive perception of thirteen. He only knows common. He's also a challenge rating of five with a plus three proficiency bonus. Uh, he only knows common. That's that's so bizarre. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh. I mean, technically, like if he were a PC, he would, as a human, he should know at least one other language. Yeah. Uh, multi attack. Edge makes two reinforced loot or short sword attacks. He could attack with his loot, apparently. Reinforced loot, melee weapon, plus five to attack, five foot reach, one target. 1d8 plus two bludgeoning damage, plus 11 thunder damage. Or 2d10 thunder damage. 11 is the average. Uh, short sword melee attack. Plus 6 to hit. 5 foot reach. 1 target. 1d6 plus 3 piercing. Plus 2d10 thunder damage. Wow. Where's he getting all this thunder damage from? I have no idea. Huh. I mean, I can understand the loot giving thunder yeah. damage. Because it would be like a loud... It's Argh! him. It's him. He's but... electrifying. Oh, right. shit. Yeah. <laughs> Most electrifying board in sports wow. entertainment. I'll, I'll let it go, Donnie, but thunder damage is not lightning damage. Okay, <laughs> then damage it's music bad. because he's hitting you with a damn loot. I don't know. Well, that's what I was saying, but it also his short sword also does the damage, so I don't understand that part. Uh, disorienting words. Edgen magically taunts up to three creatures. He can see within 60 feet of himself. Each creature must success, uh, succeed on a DC 15 wisdom saving throw or take 3d6 psychic damage and have disadvantage on their next attack. Uh, roll if it is made before the start of Edgen's next turn. Webby, that's pretty awesome idea for some bards. Yeah, Give them like, like let them target like, more than one person. He can do that every turn. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that is a little broken. Maybe Thorn can have it. Uh, spellcasting. Edgen casts one of the following spells using charisma as a spellcasting modifier ability. Spell save DC of fifteen. At will, friends, and message. Three times a day, charm person, disguise self, and once a day, suggestion. Reactions. Inspiring words three times a day. When a creature Edgen can see within 60 feet of himself fails an ability check, an attack roll, or saving throw, Edgen grants that creature magical encouragement. The creature can roll a d8 and add the number rolled to the total, potentially turning a failure into a success. So basically that's bardic inspiration, but as a reaction instead of just a normal action. Yeah. He's so, pretty solid. Uh, so I just went through and I really quickly breezed through some of the bard colleges to see if anyone, if if any of them had anything like that disorienting words thing. And I couldn't find anything. So I don't know if they're even basing this off of a cla off of a college, a uh, pre-existing college. That's probably why they didn't give him a specific bard type. Yeah. Um. Huh. That's a pretty cool idea, honestly. I mean, yeah. Uh, 
he definitely seems like I don't know for somebody who it, it doesn't like to get into you know melee or, or or combat in general who who supposedly likes to use their words to get out of their troubles first he seems capable of holding his own I feel um he he doesn't have any kind of AC boost though does he nah that's going to hurt but I mean he, he he's got he's got a, a pretty decent amount of hit points and he does a lot of damage for just yeah. his regular multi attacks you know, I want him on my team. I'll say that. Cause you're throwing any words alone. You're you're looking at an average of two d six plus six and four d ten every round of damage. That's an absurd amount of hit points for that level too. Yeah. <clears throat> but I mean, they are movie stars, so you know. That's Captain James T. Kirk, so... Um... Let's see. This won't be me. Yeah. Alright. Uh, any other things about uh, Edge and Darvis that we want to discuss? Anything seem a bit Overpowered, underpowered. Yeah, like I said, disorienting words doesn't have a limit listed, so you could just use it every turn. Yeah, that's a little broken. That probably should have a limit. But I mean, it is but an action to do it, though, too. It's an action to do an AoE that also debuffs the people hit with the AoE. Yeah. That's pretty good. I would do that every turn. Like I would not bother doing anything but that every round. Yeah, and it also does 3d6 damage to three targets. And then he still gets to do inspiring words as a reaction, so he literally can disorient words the whole round. I want this dude on my team. But, okay, so it is up to three creatures, which is fine, but they have to succeed on a relatively low wisdom save, and they don't take half damage. So it's either... That's not low for level five, is it? Uh, I mean, fifteen is still it's it's. I'd say for level fives, it's probably middle ground. It's not hard. Fair. You know, so you're looking at you know three people, and say, you know, every other turn, you know, one misses one to round, two misses the next round, one misses one round, two misses the next round. You know, they're not taking half damage on a successful save. Uh, and they don't get the disadvantage. So, I mean... That's fair. It, it, That's it's, fair. It's all or nothing, basically. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a saver suck ability, which I'm not a fan of the saver suck ability. I would use this one every single round, though. Like, yeah, I legit... I mean, but that's, uh, technically, it's a contract. I guess it's a con- uh, cantrip, because that's what all cantrips are like. It's Yeah. This it's is a just, strong damage. You can, use, it, you can hits, use them every bro. turn, but then if you fit, if you pass, you take no damage. So yeah, basically, yeah. It's a, it, an OP cantrip, basically a little bit. Yeah, I like it, honestly, for the <laughs> role. I lo- I would love to play a bard that had that. Yeah. Um. All right. So Rob, I'm gonna have you read the next one as well. Okay. Oh, I like your order there, Webby. I know what you're doing. Uh, Forge Fitzwilliam. Forge Fitzwilliam is a con artist who manipulates others with lies and flattery. Uh, the uh, 
rapacious criminal has left a trail of broken promises and false identities along the Sword Coast. He conceals flexible morals and a ready dagger behind his winning smile. Forge enjoys the final things in life, particularly when they result in, from his own cleverness. Decades of heists and cons have slaked his thirst. In fact, his ambitions only grow... Oh, haven't slaked his thirst. In fact, his ambitions only grow grander with time. I will say, I am excited... Not only for a D and D movie that is going to be not the old D and D movie. <laughs> Granted, okay, the old D and D movie, I still liked it. it. It wasn't. I mean, it was bad, but it was bad in a funny way. I think. Uh, but this, I'm I'm really excited for the fact that we're finally going to get to see some really iconic places because of the setting. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm hoping they show, like. This is the Sword Coast, right? Yeah. So I'm hoping that they show some, like, iconic places or, like, like shots of, like, these important cities from outside so we can see what they look like. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Continue, Rob. Okay. Forge Fitzwilliam, human, medium humanoid, neutral evil. Uh, Armor 17, disarming charm, whatever that means. Uh, hit points 110, speed 30 feet, strength 11 plus 0, dex 14 plus 2, con 13 plus 1, intelligence 15 plus 2, wisdom 17 plus 3, and charisma 20 plus 5. Uh, saving throw as dex plus 5, intelligence plus 5. Uh, skills, acrobatics plus 5, deception plus 11, investigation plus 8, persuasion plus 11, sleight of hand plus 5, stealth plus 8. So this guy's a talker, for sure. Yeah, this is a, I like this guy as a villain already. Passive perception 13, languages common and thieves can't, challenge rating 8, proficiency bonus plus 3. Hold on, before we move on, can we just say, <laughs> this just reminded me, Mr. Edge and Darvis here, who, uh, has a thieves crew doesn't even know thieves can't. <laughs> nope. Okay, continue. <laughs> uh, disarming charm. While Forge isn't wearing armor, his AC includes his charisma modifier. Oh, so that's why. Yeah, it, that's that a cool idea too. The top yeah, that's a super cool <laughs> idea. Uh, double cross. If Forge hits a creature friendly to him with an attack roll the attack is automatically a critical hit well wow <laughs> uh evasion if forge is subjected to an effect that allows him to make a dexterity saving throw to take only half damage he takes no damage if he succeeds on the saving throw and only half damage he if he fails provided he isn't incapacitated so that's the same as evasion for everybody yeah. else monks and, and thieves uh Actions, multi-attack. Forge makes two dagger attacks or two heavy crossbow attacks or one of each. Dagger, melee arranged, plus five to hit, five foot reach or 20, 60 feet on hit. Uh, one target. 1d4 plus two piercing damage plus 7d6 poison damage. All and right, so target is poisoned until the end of their next turn. So... There's no save against that poison. Nope. It just gives you the poison condition. Heavy crossbow, plus five to hit, range 100 to 400 feet, one target, uh, 1d10, plus two piercing damage, plus 76 poison damage, 
hit or miss if the target is a creature, it has disadvantage on the next attack roll it makes before the start of Forge's next turn. Uh, bonus actions. Cunning. Forge takes the dash, disengage your hide action, and gives himself advantage on the next attack roll he makes before the end of his turn. Well, that's a very overpowered <laughs> cunning action. <laughs> Reactions. Uncanny dodge. Forge halves the damage he takes from an attack that hits him, he must be able to see the attacker. So I'm, I'm guessing he's a rogue. Mm-hmm. Um, like... And I'm guessing that's essentially what the 76 is going to be, and, and I think that's his sneak attack, probably. But it's just added into the weapon damage. Mm. Maybe he just always gets it. <laughs> this one's pretty broken. Yeah. Um, and I mean, he's a higher CR than everybody else, too. And I will say, the other ones with the lower CRs were also getting multi-attacks that they wouldn't typically have, too. So they're mm-hmm. deceptively stronger than the CR would suggest. Yep. Um, I like this type of villain, I think. And especially with that double-cross ability, you automatically... If you see that as a DM and you're reading the stat block and you see that, you automatically want to insert this person to befriend the party and then turn against them at an inopportune time because you're going to get that automatic critical hit and then it's going to cause a bunch of shit. And then you know that this guy's probably going to fucking run away at some point and then, yeah. and then the party's going to be left to deal with whatever the outcome is after that. You know? Uh... I, I really like this stat block. <clears throat> yeah, I do too. Uh, Rob, I like both the villains so far. Rob, hmm? I will say if if we as DMs in the same world wish to utilize any of these stat blocks, but change the names around, we're gonna have mm-hmm. to, we're gonna have to discuss who gets what. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. Okay. Okay. Because uh, I know we like drawing on things that we like and, and utilizing mm. things that we like. Hence, Slime Show. <laughs> um, Alright, so I'm going to read the next one. Uh, Holga Kil- Kilgore. Holga Kilgore is a member of the Uthgart Elk tribe, and her strength and scowl conceal a, gene, a generous heart. She's a woman of few words who lets her actions and punches speak for her. A fearsome combatant when her ire is up, Holgo wields anything that comes to hand, from weapons to snacks. Her unwavering loyalty makes her a fierce defender of allies, particularly her best friend, Edgen. After Holga was exiled from her clan, she wandered unmoored and craving connection. Now that she has forged a new home with Edgen and his band of thieves, she won't lose another family without a fight. Uh, honestly, very, okay. Very likable. Yeah, before I even get into the stat block, that is the type of character I love to play. Because, like, you get some people who want to make these backstories and... Like, automatically, when you're reading them, it's like, uh, this is going to be difficult. Like, why would your... First off, why would your character, you know, party up with these people? Why would these people want to party up with your character? Things like that. I like making somebody, especially people simplistic like barbarians, who are just... Their biggest thing is their loyalty. They just love the people that they're with, and they're 
extremely loyal to like down to a fault, you know, because it's so easy to play that way and just be like, you know, the party won't ever want to get rid of you. You're a frontline fighter who's going to try to protect them at all costs, you know, and it gives your character a good reason to stick around, a very simple reason to stick around. You know, this I really love this character already without knowing much about them. Uh, so Holga Kilgore is a medium humanoid, chaotic good. Armor class is 15 with arm- unarmored defense. I'm guessing she's a bar- barbarian. I feel that way also. Um, hit points 120. Speed 40 feet. Um, strength a 19 with a plus 4. Dex 14 with a plus 2. Con 16 with a plus 3. Intelligence 11 with a plus 0. Wisdom 16 with a plus 3. And Charisma 13 with a plus 1. No negatives on any of these people. Saving throw. Strength plus 7. Con plus 6. Skills plus 7 to athletics. Plus 4 to intimidation. Plus 3 to nature. Plus 6 to survival. Damage resistances. Lightning granted by the Dark Steel Great Axe. Senses, per passive perception, 13. Languages, common and halfling. Um, all it says is a medium humanoid. Is she a halfling? I think so. I thought she was a human. She might huh. be. I think she's a halfling. Wow. Uh, challenge rating, 5. Proficiency bonus is 3. Uh, reckless. At the start of her turn, Holga can gain advantage on melee weapon attacks during that turn, but attack rolls against her have advantage until the start of her next turn. So, reckless attack from barbarians. Special equipment. Holga carries a dark dark steel great axe, a magic weapon that grants her resistance to lightning damage while she carries it. Uh, unarmored defense. While Holga isn't wearing armor, her AC includes her constitution modifier. Uh, multi-attack, Holga makes three Dark Steel Great Axe or improvised weapon attacks in any combination. Uh, Dark Steel Great Axe is a plus seven to hit uh, with a reach of five feet, one target, and it does 1d12 plus four slashing damage. Improvised weapon, melee or ranged attack, plus seven to hit, reach five feet or a range of 20 to 60 feet. One target, hit 1d6 plus 4 bludgeoning damage. And her bonus action of Wrestle, Holga shoves a creature within 5 feet of herself. That creature must succeed on a DC 15 strength saving throw, or be moved 5 feet into an unoccupied space of Holga's choice. So I love characters. And I forget, I think it's Tavern Brawler? Yeah. I love characters who can literally utilize anything in their hands as a weapon, effectively. Because you're in a bar fight, say you're in a tavern, people are getting into your face or whatever, you can literally pick up your food and beat them with a loaf of bread. You could hit them with a plate. You could pick up a chair and bash them with a chair effectively, and you're not getting disadvantage, or you're not, you know, you're you're being able to add your proficiency modifier to your attacks. You know, you have the upper hand. Hell, you could throw a party member and hit them with a party member <clears throat> if you wanted to. Or the spike, the spike dwarf boy in the party gets thrown. In yeah, enemies. Or the one thing that I did. Though Jax doesn't have Tavern Brawler, but when I did it, I I just didn't add my proficiency modifier. 
I remember grabbing an enemy by their leg or by like their ankle, and I used him as a club and beat his friends with him. Um, but I mean, I was a giant minotaur at the time too. So, and Goose let me get away with it. <laughs> but there's there's something just so uh, what's the word like fulfilling about grabbing an enemy and beating another enemy to death with him and causing, you know, full damage to the person you're hitting and partial damage to the the person that you're wielding as a weapon. I feel like by the time Jax is done, there's just like a, a nub in his hand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, okay. So, and it's no surprise, everybody who knows me, anybody who's played D and D with me, my favorite types of characters are your in-your-face barbarians. I love barbarians. They have a very special place in my heart. I, I, you know, in all honesty, I did say Doric was probably going to be one of my favorite characters. I think Holga is going to be my favorite character. Um, out of all of them so far. <clears throat> what do you guys think of Holga? Very likable. Probably going to be funny as shit. To be to be honest, at, when I looked at her picture, the way the lighting is, I thought she was an orc or a half orc. Oh yeah, because of the coloration and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I was like halfling. I'm like halfling. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. I, yeah. I'm not. I I see. I don't. I guess. I guess she's a halfling. I I you know. Mm. They don't. They don't specify. They just. I mean, in the stat block, they just call her humanoid. But she does know yeah. halfling. It is possible that she is a different race, and she happens to know halfling as a language. Right. Um, possible, but I feel like it's a little more likely that she's yeah, halfling. Yeah. Now, the only thing I will say is if we'll have to watch the trailer again after this, after this yeah. SU. But if she's essentially the same height as the rest of the party then they're not doing halflings right. Either that or she's just a gigantic halfling, <laughs> which they have had. Like, I have a character in my game currently who is a dwarf, but he is just a giant dwarf. He stands taller than most normal humans. Uh, plus, in D&D lore, you have Minsk and Boo. Boo is a miniature giant space hamster. So he's just the size of a regular hamster. So he's just a hamster? Yeah, but he's a space hamster still. Gotcha. So, and he is a he is the ranger's pet. Because I always thought Minsk, for the longest time, I thought Minsk was a barbarian. Because he's just this big, gruff person carrying his giant two-handed sword. And I always thought he just had this pet hamster that, like, his his main thing was, like, go for the eyes, Boo, and then Boo would, like, leap at an enemy and start scratching at their eyes. I always thought he was a barbarian. Nope, he's a ranger. <laughs> so. uh, Let's see. Donnie, I'm going to have you read the next one. I like this order. This worked out well for all of us, I think. Uh, how do you pronounce that last name? I'm going to say Omar. Omar? 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 Yeah, just say Omar. Simon. Yeah, just yes. call him Simon. Yeah, there you go. Simon Omar uh, suffers under the weight of his family name, though he is a descendant of an no elf. No one can pronounce it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. God damn it, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> 
Bonus XP <laughs> for Rob. Bonus XP for Rob. That was good. <laughs> this is why he's my favorite character. The next sentence. Uh, though he is a descendant of an elf and the legendary wizard Elminster. That last name. Simon's own sorceress wild magic runs uncontrolled through his veins. Simon has not yet developed the ability to harness his power, and his spells explode or fizzle seemingly at random. Uh, though, though he's dogged by doubt, the brave young mage has earned his place in Edgen's crew. He performs best under pressure, instinctively unleashing his magic in dire moments. How he will continue to unlock his potential and what he will do with his volatile gift are yet to be seen. This should be interesting. We we have fun with these in the game as it is. The wild mages. Yeah. Mm. Um. So he's a medium humanoid sorcerer. Uh, chaotic good. Armor class is 12. 15 with mage armor. 99 hit points. 30 foot speed. First negative. Oh shit, yeah. And I, I approve. Uh, he has a 8, which is a negative 1 modifier in strength. Uh, 14 dex, that's plus 2. 13 con, that's plus 1. 16 intelligence, that's plus 3. 12 wisdom, that's a plus 1. And 17 charisma, that's a plus 3. That's fairly high for, for a... Well, he's a sorcerer. Never mind, I thought he was a wizard. Um, Saving throws, he has plus 4 constitution and plus 6 charisma. Uh, as far as skills, he has plus 6 arcana, plus 6 deception... Plus six history, plus six religion, plus four survival. Uh, he has dark vision out to 60 feet, passive perception 11. He speaks common, draconic, and elvish. He's a CR5 with a proficiency bonus of a plus three. Uh, he has fey ancestry. Simon has advantage on saving throws he makes to avoid or end the charmed condition on himself. And magic can't put him to sleep. So that's basic for elves. Mm -hmm. uh, special equipment. He carries a bag of holding, two pairs of sending stones, and a deathly token, which is covered under his spellcasting ability. Uh, wild magic. When Simon takes 20 or more damage from a single source or takes damage from a critical hit, he must roll on the wild magic surge table in the player's handbook. That's cool. Scary. Could make bad worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as actions, he has a multi-attack. Uh, he makes three quarterstaff or chaos bolt attacks. He can replace one attack with one use of spellcasting. That's very good. Uh, quarterstaff, melee weapon, plus two attack to hit. Uh, top foot reach. <laughs> I fucked that all up, I know. No, no, no. I'm laughing at the next thing, the damage. <laughs> Go ahead. Huh? Oh, I got you. Damage is a 2. It's a 1d6 minus 1 yeah. bludgeoning damage. Or 3, 1d8, minus 1. Really? If he uses it with two hands. Okay, that's with two hands. Plus 11. Force damage. Oh, it adds 11. Force damage. Yeah, 2d10 force damage. But okay. still, I mean, other than the force damage, you're not going to want to be... This guy is not going to want to be using his quarterstaff ever. I mean, he has that know. negative to strength. That's why. So, even though, yeah. why doesn't he use it with his dex? Because the quarterstaff is versatile, right? Yeah. Or I mean, he it's wait, should no, versatile, versatile means he can use it with one or two hands. Is it, a quarterstaff is finesse though too, right? No, Maybe. only no? monks can use it with oh. dex instead. 
Gotcha. Oh, as long as the reason I thought other people could. <laughs> Either way, this guy uh, should just be sticking with Chaos Bolts. Oh, for sure. Uh, speaking of Chaos Bolt, uh, it's range spell attack plus six to hit, sixty foot range, one target. On a hit, it's fourteen two d ten plus three damage of a random type determined by rolling a d eight. One acid, two cold, three fire, four force, five lightning, six poison, seven psychic, eight thunder. Uh, that's pretty decent. Mm-hmm. To do three times in a turn or two, and then still cast one of his spells. Yep. Uh, spell casting. Roll a d6 on a roll of one. Simon must roll on the wild magic surge table in the player's handbook. On a roll of two or higher, Simon casts one of the following spells using charisma as a spell casting ability. His spell spell save DC is 14. Not great. Um. At will, he can use mage hand, minor illusion, press the digitation, speak with dead. Uh, Simon must be holding his deathly token to cast Speak with Dead. Uh, two times a day, he two times a day each he can cast Fog Cloud, Mage Armor, Magic Missile, Spider Climb, and once a day each Bigby's Hand and Major Image. Um, then he gets Reaction uh, Sheltering Shield three times a day. When Simon or another creature he can see within 10 feet of himself would take damage, he conjures a shimmering 10-foot radius sphere of magical force centered on himself. Creatures, in th- creatures inside the sphere have resistance to the damage that triggered this reaction. That's a really cool reaction. That is very cool, like very, very cool. So I have, I have, so I have one good thing, one bad thing about this, this, this character. One good thing, that fucking reaction. Damn. Yeah. Uh, the one bad thing. Two uses of magic missile is not enough. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. I mean, the the f- quote unquote free mage armor is nice, but is it really free? It's one of his spell slots, uh, technically, I guess. But, yeah, but I mean, it's at will. Yeah. I mean, 100 hit points, I think, is pretty solid for that CR level for yep. a caster. Yep. Uh, his C- his AC will be decent if he uses mage armor. I mean, I, I think this one's pretty good. Um, and I mean. <sighs> It, 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 did it say something about him being like new or, or whatever? Like he doesn't have control over his power yet. He he is like he's inherited power because of his bloodline, I guess. Right. I just I figured like because of who his bloodline is, I, you know, he should be a little bit more powerful. So I, I figured his charisma would have a little bit more of a bump, maybe an eighteen. I wasn't expecting his main main stat to only be a seventeen. Um, yeah, he's probably new. It's, yeah, they call him a young mage. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's good, and I like the uh, like him being able to cast three chaos bolts or two and a spell. Pretty fucking handy. Very nice. I can't think of any caster in this game that wouldn't want that. Yeah. Rob, thoughts on the Mister Simon here? Um, I don't know why. I mean, obviously he's an NPC, but. Like, if you were a player, why would you boost intelligence for a sorcerer? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, it Not necessarily. It does. It depends on the type of sorcerer that you're wanting to play, like, roleplay-wise and stuff. But remember, Arcana goes off of intelligence. And if you want to be really good at Arcana, even as a sorcerer, mm. you're going you're gonna to need intelligence. Yeah. You know? That's the whole reason why I gave Thorn intelligence. I mean, Thorn's a bard. He goes off of charisma, too. Uh, and I bumped up Thorn's intelligence fairly high, just so he'd have a decent Arcana. 
Mm. I don't know why he... I don't know why he has... I guess religion is one of his skills, I guess. Because normally they, under skills, under the NPC stat blocks, they usually give either the skills that they're proficient in or skills that they would be, you know, most beneficial with. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't strike me as, like, especially with this party makeup, we know that there's a paladin in the party. Um, Maybe he's not there from the start. I don't know. But I would figure that the paladin would have the the corner on the religious market. He yeah, might, they well, might just look at him as a bookworm and he probably yeah. covered religion in school. And well, like, like school. we always say, it, religion runs off intelligence, though, so he might be the most intelligent that's, character. That's fair. Uh, right. Whereas the, the, the paladin might not have intelligence because usually their wisdom... Or he's an archaeologist. He's got history and religion, so, you know. Hmm. Now, what do you think about his reaction? Me? No, or Rob. Rob. I mean, I would like to have it on any of my characters. Yeah, I, yeah. I would I'm not gonna lie. Of a fireball. It's like, nah. I'm not gonna lie. A quarter I, damage if you pass your thing. I'm not gonna lie. I'm, 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 I'm paying very close attention to the things that we're reading right now and taking mental notes. <laughs> so, don't be surprised if uh, maybe some of the spellcasters in, in in the world start learning this sheltering shield thing. Mm. Um. You mean spellcasters whose specialties might just be shield? Maybe, maybe theirs will just be a little bit beefier than normal. Um, enemies only, Donnie. Enemies only. <laughs> enemies, huh? Yep. Depends who you are. Well, uh, so Donnie, I'm going to give you the option here. What's that? Because we've each read two so far, except for you. Yeah. There are two people left. Would you like to read the other bad guy, or would you like to read the paladin? Oh. Uh, the bad guy's a caster. I'll do the bad guy. Okay, then I'll let you go ahead and read about Unless someone Sophina. else wanted to. Uh, I was just going to read whichever one you didn't pick, so. All right. Uh, so, Sophina is a red wizard of Thay. An elite practitioner of magic with ties to Thay's tyrannical majocracy. Yep. Sophina specializes in necromancy. Death magic and fear are both tools in her arsenal. As red wizards are shunned outside Thay, Sophina conceals her affiliations and coldly rebuffs any who seek her friendship. A canny operator, she has patiently moved her pieces into place, and her grand designs now begin to take shape. She has really cool character art. Red scarlet roses and black smoke and she's drinking out of a horn flask. That's what I'm gonna say. That is, she's not no, really. That's a horn. It's a horn flask. She's drinking. No, it's literally like, a, it's a horn that you blow into. I think she's drinking lean. Okay, she's drinking yeah, Red uh, Bull. Like it used to be a horn of a <laughs> Red Bull. It's a, a Red Bull of some kind. <laughs> it's in a horn. <laughs> a horn from a Red Bull. I gotta go. Yeah. There you go. Somebody else can do this. <clears throat> All right. Anyways, uh, Sophina, medium humanoid wizard, neutral evil. She has an AC of 14, a magic robe that makes it seven. No, AC of 14 with her magic robe, 17 with mage armor. Uh, 161 hit points. That's beefy. Uh, yeah. 30 foot speed. 
She has 12 strength, that's a plus 1. 14 dex, that's a plus 2. 18 constitution, that's a plus 4. That's why she's so beefy. 18. Yeah, yeah. Smart, that's really good. She's good. Wizard. Yeah. Uh, 20 intelligence, plus 5. Literally smart. Uh, 14 wisdom, that's a plus 2. Ooh, another negative. And this yep. one makes sense. Yep. 8, eight charisma, which is a negative 1. I thought we uh, all decided that spellcasters need to a zero or zero modifier in con. Isn't that what Apple taught us? Yeah. <laughs> I think Apple taught us we don't do that. <laughs> Sorry, Apple. Gee, um, I'm letting her know you said that. <laughs> changing the subject to try to help Rob out. Um, <laughs> saving throws. Plus two strength saving throws. Plus three decks. Plus five con. Plus 11 intelligence, that's pretty nice. Plus 8 wisdom, and plus 0 charisma. Uh, skills, plus 10 to arcana, plus 10 to history, and plus 7 insight. Uh, resistance to necrotic damage. Passive perception is 12. Uh, Sophina speaks abyssal, common, draconic, infernal, and Thean. Is that new? Not yeah. technically. It should have already existed, but this is the first I'm seeing it on a sheet. Yes, because it's important for the movie, but right. in D&D lore, yeah, technically it's not new. Uh, so she is a whopping 15 challenge rating. Yeah, which is, that makes sense for the 160. Still, the 161 still seems high for a wizard, even at yeah. that level, but... That's very high for a yeah. wizard. Uh, proficiency bonus plus 5. Um... Special equipment. So, Sophina wears a magic robe that grants her a plus two bonus to AC and a plus one bonus to saving throws, which are included above. Uh, action. Sophina makes three necrotic strike attacks. Necrotic strike, melee or ranged spell attack, plus ten to hit, plus five reach or 120 foot range. Uh, one target. On a hit, it's 32, 5d10, plus 5 necrotic damage. That's pretty solid. So I like this. I like how they worded this with it's either a melee or a ranged spell attack. So that way, if somebody gets in melee range with her, she can still do the same attack and not use disadvantage on the attack for being in melee range. Yes. I like this a lot. That's a lot of damage to do three times. Yeah. What's that? That but comes out to be boss. that comes out to be what? Fifteen D ten. Yeah, fifteen D ten plus 15. fifteen. Yeah, Jesus. With a plus ten to hit on each one. Yep. That's pretty nice. Let's see what her spells look like. I already see what. Oh God. Yeah, she gets a level nine spell later. We're gonna read that in order though. Uh, spellcasting. Sophina casts one of the following spells using intelligence as the spellcasting ability. Spell save DC eighteen, which is respectable. Uh, at will, mage hand, message, press a digitation. Uh, two times a day each, bestow curse, Bigby's hand, dimension door, mage armor, Odalux resilient sphere, and thunder wave. God, I hope we see someone get put into Odalux resilient sphere. I feel like we're for sure gonna. I feel like we're, we're for sure probably gonna see that. Uh, one time a day each, uh, Evard's Black Tentacles, Finger of Death, and Time Stop. That's a solid mix. Yeah. Uh, what about this next one? <laughs> this is the one. Um, this is not one of her spellcasting things, though. Well, I guess technically it is, isn't it? Yeah. It's it, it, it counted separately, though. Uh, anyways, Swarm of Meteors, one time a day. 
Tofina magically calls down a meteor swarm that detonates in four 40-foot radius spheres, each one centered on a point she can see within one mile of herself. So you're just off in a whole town from a mile away. Uh, these spheres can overlap. Each creature in one of your... Bleh. Each creature in one or more of these spheres must make a DC-18 deck save, uh, taking 35-10d6 fire damage and 35-10d6 bludgeoning damage on a failed saving throw or half as much damage on a successful one. A creature in multiple spheres takes this damage only once. Yeah. That's good. It's 20, That's good, because that would get out of control. It's 20d6 worth of damage that you're saving from. So Yeah. Yeah. And they can overlap, though I don't really know why you would. In case you want, oh, I guess in case it, you want to make sure you get max coverage. Yeah, or yeah, or if you wanted to center it on a very specific point. Yeah. Uh, then bonus actions. Uh, summon wraith once a day. Sophina magically summons the spirit of a Thayan assassin, which appears as a wraith. See the monster manual. The summoned wraith appears in an unoccupied space when it's within thir- thirty. Well, within sixty feet of Sophina, whom it obeys. The summon wraith takes its turn immediately after Sophina. It lasts for one hour until it or Sophina dies or until Sophina dismisses it as a bonus action. So I like this. I like this enemy as well. Yeah, I like this one a lot. Um, this is the one that's going to be the TPK. Yeah. Uh, of all of them. This is, <laughs> this is definitely one of the scary... This would be a scary boss... For a lowish level party, um, like you're like 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 pretty much like your level fives, you know, level sixes and stuff, um, and inserting this into a game of characters roughly that level, you know, if the party runs or if they don't succeed, like. You know, obviously, the the they're gonna have to run or be left for dead, but somehow survive, unless it's just a TPK. Then you have the option as DM that as the party levels, this enemy could also level, so it's still a threat later on. It's not just gonna be a steamroll when the party's level, you know, fourteen and fifteen, and comes back and fights this level fifteen, you know, individual necromancer boss you know um or you could even keep this person a cr15 but then give them a small army of undead to work with you know so just appreciate the fact that they can once a day summon a cr5 thing like a rates are cr5 yeah (laughs) that's pretty nice yep your parties have made up of level fives here let me add one more to my team rob what do you think of this uh this enemy this enemy. Uh, I think a group of level fives would probably party wipe with this. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking that myself. Also, the um, the reason it says about the overlapping is because so you can keep it away from allies because it says every creature within the so it would yeah. hit allies too. So gotcha. you might want to overlap it to not hit allies. Yep, makes sense. And you can do it anywhere within a mile. That that's a level nine spell. So is time stop. Isn't time stop? No I think idea. it is. Let me look. And lo- time stop's a level nine, yeah. Yeah, so that's two ninth level spells a day, but technically you're not choosing what spell though. Right. 
Not to mention Finger of Death every day is nice. Yeah, I like this character a lot. Yeah. Um, I am hoping that we get to see, like I said, Uluk's resilient sphere in the movie. And I honestly, I'd like to see Dimension Door used in the movie too. I think it's used in the trailer. Oh, is it? I think so. <clears throat> I think it's funny giving like the big bag pressed to digitation. You now smell like poop. Enjoy. <laughs> Uh, and then to round us off, we have Zenk Yendar, who is, I believe, the Paladin. Yep. Uh, which, remembering the trailer, I, I think he does join the party. I don't think he starts off with the party. I think he's like a guide, or he ends up joining the party in the fight against these people. But well, I guess we'll find out a little bit more. Uh, raised in the nation of Thay, Zenk Yandar has sworn an oath of devotion to aid the innocent. Every inch the knight in shining armor, he thrives when inspiring goodness in his allies. The words, neither virtue nor blade shall break, are etched in celestial on the blade of his dagger sword. Zenk ages more slowly than a normal human, and with his gift comes a, comes the burden of perspective. His longevity has something to do with Zaz, Tam's nightmarish uh, rise to power, and Zenk's narrow escape from the Lich. Now based in Mornbrin's shield, Zenk travels Faerun in search of evil to thwart. He approaches problems with absolute seriousness of purpose, an outlook that clashes with Edgen's nonchalance. So Zenk Yendar is a medium humanoid paladin, lawful good. Armor class is 15, he wears half plate. He has 157 hit points and he can move 30 feet. His strength score is a 19, which gives him a plus 4. Dex is an 11, plus 0. Con is a 16, which gives him plus 3. Intelligence, a 14, plus 2. Uh, wisdom, a 16, plus 3. And a Charisma of a 17, which gives him a plus 3. Saving throws is Strength, plus 8. Charisma, plus 7. His skills are a plus 8 in Athletics, plus 6 in History, plus 7 in Insight, and plus 7 in Survival. Uh, oh, he doesn't even have religion under his skills. <laughs> uh, condition immunities. He's immune against charmed, frightened, and poisoned. He has dark vision out to 60 feet with a passive perception of 13. He knows common, than, and undercommon. He is a CR 10 with a proficiency bonus of plus 4. He has Aura of Protection. Zank and his allies within 10 feet of him have advantage on saving throws. Multi-attack. Zank makes three Dagger Sword attacks and uses Dagger Sword Flourish. He can replace Dagger Sword Flourish with Cleansing Touch if it's available. So he makes three Dagger Sword attacks and then uses the Flourish. Damn. Dagger Sword, choose the attack that corresponds to the Dagger Sword's current form. See Dragon Sword see Dagger Sword shift below. Longsword. Melee weapon attack plus eight to hit, reach of five feet, one target, does one D eight plus four slashing damage. Or one D ten plus four slashing damage if it's used in two hands, plus one D twelve radiant damage. 
short sword and dagger melee attack plus eight to hit reach five feet one target does 1d6 plus four piercing damage plus 1d12 radiant damage dagger sword flourish choose the option that corresponds to the dagger sword current form see the dagger sword shift below Longsword. Zenk magically detaches the longsword's blade from its hilt, launching the blade at a creature he can see within 30 feet of himself. The target must succeed on a DC 16 saving throw. On a failed save, the target is impaled by the blade, taking 3d6 plus 4 piercing damage, and is knocked prone. At the end of the current turn, the blade magically reaches, re- reattaches to the hilt. Motherfucker is Link from Zelda. That's cool. <clears throat> uh, That's why he's Zink. Zank, yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, Short sword and dagger. uh, Zank lashes out with both weapons. Each creature of his choice within 10 feet of him must make a DC 16 dex saving throw. On a failed save, save, the creature takes 2d6 piercing damage and has disadvantage on attack rolls until the start of Zank's next turn. That's so good. On a successful save, the creature takes half as much damage and suffers no other effect. That is so Uh, good. That's each creature of his choice within 10 feet too, huh? Yeah. yeah. Everything's surrounding him and he does it on top of his multi-attack. So his multi-attack, he gets three attacks with either a longsword or a short sword and dagger. And then he gets to either do a, a ranged attack with a longsword or an AOE attack with his short sword and dagger. Depending. Or the cleansing touch thing. Or he, yeah. he gets cleansing touch if it's available, which is cleansing touch. Once a day, Zenk touches a creature within five feet of himself. The target magically regains 6d8 hit points and gains the benefit of lesser restoration. As a bonus action, Dagger Sword Shift, Zenk changes the form of his Dagger Sword, choosing one of the following forms, a long sword or a short sword in one hand and a dagger in the other. I like this guy. Yeah, I do too. That Cleansing Touch is pretty nice too. Well, I mean, Cleansing Touch is just the... Lay on hands, but it also gives hands. it also, it also gives them lesser restoration. restoration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But lay on hands can do lesser restoration too. Oh, if you use five points of it, it removes status effects and stuff. Doesn't it only remove a poison or a disease? Yeah, that's what lesser restoration does. It does a little more. You can hover over it. Uh, blind, deaf, and paralyzed, or poison. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely use it for, like, the paralyzed or, effect. Or diseases. Let's double-check the lay on hands. Yeah, that's pretty nice. I mean, overall, he's pretty solid, I think. Yeah, you can ex- yeah, a little, though. Lay on hands, yeah, you can expend the five hit points to cure the target of a disease or neutralize a poison, one poison. No, it says you can neutralize multiple poison with a single use of lay on hands. Yeah, expending hit points separately for each one. Yeah, but you still only need the one touch to do as many poisons as you want, as long as you have the hit points. Right. 
I'm just saying it's like a, a quicker version of Lay on Hands that you can only use once. Like, you can't break it up like you can in a regular Paladin with Lay on Hands. Yeah, I get that. But, I mean, well, that's the thing is so, like, the that's the trade-off, right? Is so this guy only gets to do his once as opposed to being able to break up his healing pool. But his he's getting a better additional effect than just being able to cure a disease or a poison because now you're able to cure... Uh, Paralysis, deafened, blinded. So, I mean, mainly it's the paralysis thing that I think would be the most useful out of all of that. Because any like paralysis, especially against a low level party, is scary. You know, because you pretty much have to hope that somebody has le- lesser restoration, because there's really no other way to cure paralysis. So. Yeah, I think he's pretty solid, but he's also a Hasior. Yeah, he's five levels higher than the rest of the party, essentially, other than the bad guys. <clears throat> so, um, so out of all these guys, uh, well, let's say out of all the good people, uh, Rob, who are who who are your who are your favorites out of the people that we've read, and who are you most looking forward to seeing in the movie? Uh, I mean, I like all of them. <laughs> uh, the one that I like the most, obviously, is probably the Bard. I'm partial to Bard, so. That's why I had you read that one. Mm. Um, are you looking forward to most to seeing him in the movie? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Donnie, what about you? Uh, visually, I can't wait to watch how the Druid stuff plays out. Mm. Um. Uh, Personally, probably my favorite stat block we've read is Sophina. But I'm very excited to see Simon's magic too. Okay. Mostly for the caster stuff. Not typical typical me stuff. Yeah. Uh I think I'm on I think I'm on board with I, I'm I'm really excited to see Doric on screen. Um you know, shifting into different beasts and such. Uh, and I'm extra, I love H- Holga. I just, I don't mm-hmm. know, man. I got a soft spot for Barbarian so much. I now, I, I want to replay a Barbarian now. And I gotta say, all the actors <laughs> are pretty awesome too. Yeah. I, I like the choices that they made for the people. So, uh, but yeah. So, uh, those are the stat blocks for the character, the main characters in the upcoming D&D movie oh is it honor amongst thieves i think is the name of it um coming out the end of march uh rob do we have a science corner this week uh we sure don't (laughs) uh i did read something that was interesting a little while ago but i don't remember what it was um I mean, there, if not, there is a I have a science corner. Deadly fungus that's getting what? more and more kind of like uh, we're going to end up with the, the Last of Us. No. What? No. Okay, there's not a deadly fungus. That's that's fa- that's fantasy. Okay. Uh, it can't possibly be real, unlike space ice giants. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm gonna say. 
So what's this deadly fungus, Rob? Where is it? What's it do? Uh... You can't just drop something like deadly fungus in the science corner and then not tell us more about it. Here, I'll send you guys a picture of my phone and we can see if this is it. Where are you sending this picture? Kidding. I was oh. never mind. Bad joke. Oh. Never yeah, mind. Yeah, it's, you should get that you should get that it. checked out. Never mind. Never By mind. a medical professional. Now everybody listening thinks I've got fungus foot. Oh, I didn't think it was on your foot. No? Foot? Sure. Um anyways. Rob, where can they find you? What? No. No, no, that's, that's, not, where, that's not where we're at yet. We don't stop now. That's not where we're at yet. He's doing science <laughs> corner. I know. Uh, unless you want to, unless you want to wait and do your have it more De- prepared next week. Deadly fungal infection spreads at alarming rate. CDC says fungus type of yeast called Candida. It looks like Canada. Canada auris or C auris can cause severe illness in people with weak immune systems. Uh, the number of people diagnosed with infections, as well as the number of those who are found throughout screening to be carriers, has been rising at an alarming rate since it was first reported in the U.S. Researchers from the Center for Disease Control and Prevention reported Monday. Uh, so basically, it's a fungus that will live in your bloodstream, and even if you recover from the sickness of it, which it's it's kind of it it mostly only will kill people that already have medical issues. Oh, good. Like so if... I'm off. That's nice. <laughs> uh, but uh, the fungus can be found on the skin and throughout the body. It is not a threat to healthy people, but one third of the people become sick with it die. So uh kills one third of the people that get sick. Uh, but it's 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 lives in your bloodstream forever. Apparently, they don't think that it, they can get rid of it, even if they put like use antifungals like it kind of becomes dormant, but it, you'll have it forever. Damn. Yeah. All right. Uh, it, it says most concerning is the increasing numbers of funguses becoming resistant to common treatments. Yep. The more they evolve, the scarier diseases are going to get. <laughs> it even says The Last of Us in the article. It says we don't want people to watch The Last of Us to think we're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> this is only no, no, but it could be. This Sorry, is only an infection that occurs in extremely ill individuals who are usually sick with a lot of other issues. Yeah, like me. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die. Thanks. It is extremely adaptable to survive on surfaces. It colonizes walls, cables, bedding, chairs. Uh, you need to clean everything with bleach and UV light. Okay. That's right. Dying Light is also a fungal zombie thing, huh? Oh, boy. I don't know. I, I want to play Dying Light so bad. I thought we did a while back. I don't think so. I have it. If you want to download it, we can play it together. Okay. What was the other one that I wanted to play? There was one where a guy rides around on a motorcycle. He's like a bounty hunter or something. Day Days Gone or something like that? Or Yeah. Yeah, Days Gone. Yeah, that looked really good, too. Okay. <laughs> Well, one of the I just got to laugh because one of the advertisements on this article it says 
Dr. Stun, 72-year-old grandma, clears her wrinkles with this method, but the picture is a dude with a beard. It looks like he's in his 30s. Grandma? Putting this stuff on his face. It's like, grandma? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, real quick before we before we log out here or, or end the stream, they're making another. Sh Hold on, they're making another live action Street Fighter movie. Oh shit! Um, I don't know. I don't. Oh, I don't know. The first one scarred me so badly. I don't know if I want to see another one. Uh, anyway, so that okay. That, well, was that, Van Damme. that was the one where yeah, Van Damme played fucking uh, the character. He looks nothing Guile, like yeah, Guile or whatever the American fucking soldier. There you go. That was supposed to have a huge flat top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The dude um, who played Bison. Uh... Was solid if I remember right. Yeah, he was the one who played Gomez from the Adams family. <clears throat> the dude that played uh, Damian Dark would be a good Bison, or has he already played him? He looks like. Yeah, was he Bison? I don't. I don't know. Talking about Damian Dark like from like Arrow and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, all that right. Might have been the first thing I ever saw him in. Well, with that, we're gonna log out, or we're gonna we're gonna sign off here. It's been an hour and twenty five. This was a, a this was a really good topic, Donnie. I'm glad you brought this up. I'm glad we were able to record it. Um, Thanks. And so, with that, we have Science Corner. Rob, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me uh, on Twitter at Confessor underscore X, and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Confessor X. And uh, Donnie, where can people find you at? Can you hear my smile? Yeah. <laughs> you can find me at da, da, da. playing the outro music, so you better hurry up. Are you pooping? What? Yeah, you can follow Donnie on at Are You Pooping? Yes. <laughs> on Twitter. That's and... my Twitter. Uh, you can find me also on my second account. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead, baby. As always, everybody, thank you for listening. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Jack Forcewalker, all one word, on Twitch at DM Webby, and on eBay at Hunting Down Devin for Hugs. Uh, thank you, everybody, and fuck Booster Gold. Oh, Booster Gold. Play the outro one more time for you all. I really thought Dottie was going to go through with giving my Twitter account thing again. Oh. So I played the outro music as he started to talk and I blasted it at full volume to try <laughs> to drown it out. <laughs> <laughs> so now they get the outro twice with us just shooting the shit over the second one. Cool. Da 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 da